Um, hey, if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Rebecca. I'm one of our pastors here, and uh, I get to spend a little time with you this morning and, um, and share the word with us. Um, before we do that, can we pray together? Jesus, we confess that you are our source. That in you, we live and move and have our being. In you, we explore life by your side. And in you, we learn how to live that life victoriously. So be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, so if you know me, uh, you know that I have five kids. My husband and I have five kids. Um, and whether you do or not, you know that as they get older, apparently, I'm new to having older kids, uh, their schedules actually become more robust than yours. I used to think I was busy when I was like a young college student. You know how you think you're so busy? Like when you're young, and if you're young and you think you're busy, you totally are. You're very busy. But like, it's a weird kind of busy when you're busier with their lives than with your own. Like this week, my kids are in four schools. Four schools. That's uh, four different calendars, four separate choir events, four different everythings. And so this week, I'm like at my kitchen table for hours, frantically color coding and Google Calendar updating and sending events to my husband and my work calendar so that like, okay, if you can take them to this, then I'll take them to that. And we're, it's all of this arranging. But it's funny because we realized this year that as their parents, some of the best things we can do is take a step back for our stuff so that we can partner with them better. Because it used to be we were driving the ship and they were along for the ride when they were little, right? But as they get older, they need to be driving their own ships and we need to just be kind of like advising, course correcting. But it's an interesting shift from I'm leading this thing, come on kids, to Oh, okay, oh, oh okay, lead, lead your lives. Oh, okay, oh, uh, should I help? Do you need me? You don't need me? Do you need me? You, you need me. Okay, no, you don't. Oh, you do, right? It's this, it's this funny shift. And so, um, actually, this morning, we're talking about a little, a little bit of that as it relates to God. We're talking about partnering with the Holy Spirit. So this kicks off one of our um, series on Vineyard Values. If you're unfamiliar with our church, we're um, a part of the Vineyard Movement. It's kind of like a denomination. It's an association of churches. But they have some really specific values, values that we all share as Christians. They're like kind of universal, but that we feel are really important. And, and so the one we're going to explore this morning is about partnering with the Holy Spirit. And the idea behind this is that we know that God is working in the world no matter what, right? God's always doing something. He's always up to something. He's always stirring people's hearts, or he, he's helping people. He's, you know, he's bringing comfort. He's bringing joy. He, he's with people who are lonely. But our job 
is not to like, Lone Ranger, I'm going to save the world, but it's to say, God, what are you doing and how can I partner with you? God's already speaking to people's hearts, nudging them and leading them and loving them. And our job is to notice people who might need a human hand in that process, might need a human ear, a human voice, speaking, loving, encouraging as they go through that. So we're going to talk about partnering with the Holy Spirit this morning. And there's kind of three, three elements of that. The first To partner with the Holy Spirit, we have to be connected. We have to be connected to God. We have to be connected to the Holy Spirit. The second is that we have to be ready. We have to be prepared to partner with God. We have to be prepared to be his hands and feet in the world. And the third is we have to be empowered to be his hands, his feet, his mouthpieces, his arms, to partner with what God is already doing in the world. So when we're connected, it's the classic verse, but it is so true every time. John 15, 4 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as humans, we don't appreciate that. I love the part about remaining in God. Oh, God, you want me to remain with you? That's nice. I don't like the part where I can't do anything on my own, right? As humans, we have a little ego of, I can handle this. I can provide for my family. I'm tough, right? I'm going through a hard time. I'm sure I can figure this out. This week, I wasn't feeling good, and my husband's like, how are you doing? I'm like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm sure it's fine. And he's like, I'm just asking if you're sick or not. I'm like, yes, but, but the point is that it's really no big deal and it's fine, right? My instinct as a human was, I want to assert that I am strong enough that this isn't a big deal and you need to know that I am tough and strong and that's the most important thing. Weakness is just hard for us. Vulnerability is hard for us because we have this kind of innate need to handle things on our own, an innate need to not be seen as weak, even before God. But the truth is that apart from him, we can do nothing. Imagine if we went outside and I grabbed a branch, and I was like, okay, produce an apple. That would be dumb. That would be something I would do in kids' ministry. They would laugh. But it would be ridiculous, right? Like, Come on, make fruit, make fruit. Like I, uh, I have these raspberry bushes in the back of my yard, and I was like, this, there was this big branch thing, and I was like, why isn't this producing fruit? Why isn't this part producing fruit? But I realized it, it had kind of snapped off, so it wasn't part of the bush at all. It was just kind of a branch that was hanging there. And sometimes we're so unconnected to God that we can't bear fruit. Because we're not connected. Like, if you're not connected to the roots, you're not getting water. How can you produce fruit without water? If you're not connected to the leaves and to the other parts, how are you going to absorb sunlight to create nourishment? It's impossible. And yet, as humans, 
we struggle because we feel like we should be able to create love and joy and peace and kindness and, and stability and provision for our families on our own, unconnected. And then when we can't, which is inevitably what happens when we try to like white knuckle it through our lives, we get so discouraged and shameful, don't we? Have you guys ever done that? I, I know I have. I've just been so cranky sometimes, like, man, what is my problem? I am mad at everybody. I have a bad attitude. I'm like, well, when is the last time I spent time with Jesus? Like, when's the last time I just got quiet in myself? But we feel shameful when we mess up, don't we? Do you guys, are, or maybe it's just me, don't you feel shameful when you're, like, yelling at the people you love more than anything in the world? Don't, don't you feel shameful when, like, I'll be honest with you, I was driving my car, ooh, my kid was in the back seat, and I got mad, and I said something. My kid's like, Mom! And I'm like, ugh! Right? Instant shame shower. I am now covered with the, uh, the sin of my life. Right? Like, my eight-year-old is, like, appalled with me. Ugh. Right? I'm trying to produce fruit, and I'm not connected to the things that are going to give me the nourishment I need to do that. When my daughter was born, she, uh, it took her a little bit of time uh, to adjust to life not being connected to her life source. So her uh, breathing was like a little funky and her temperature wasn't regulated and the midwives were starting to get a little concerned. And they were like, well, we're going to you know, put her in an incubator thing. We do all this stuff. And I was like, this baby has just been connected, disconnected from her life source. Put her on her daddy's chest. So my husband, you know, unbuttoned his shirt and put our little newborn daughter with the little legs right here and wrapped his shirt around, wrapped a blanket around. And she just cuddled in. And immediately she started, like, breathing with him. And immediately her temperature started regulating to the temperature of her daddy. And his heartbeat was directly next to her heartbeat. And wouldn't you know, within about five minutes, everything was fine. And sometimes we feel so much shame because we can't live this life on our own, out of our own strength. And we think that God's mad at us. We think he's so annoyed or so disappointed or frustrated or let down. But what God's saying is put that baby on their daddy's chest. Come, come put your head on my chest. Come be warmed by my love for you. Let the rhythm of my heartbeat sound in your ear louder than the voices outside that are telling you that you are not enough. Breathe with me. Sink yourself to me. And as we sink ourselves to the rhythm of God close up, it changes what we can do. And I think that, you know, we... We think of closeness with God on this continuum. But God comes near to the brokenhearted. 
And so we might slide, right? Relationships are in a slide thing. Like most marriages don't just end. They slide and then they end, right? Have you ever noticed that in your marriages? And it's just a normal thing, you know? Like sometimes I say to my husband, I'm like, I haven't even seen you, right? Like, you know, you're so busy cooperating. Like we're really good coworkers. But sometimes I'm like, baby, I'm not trying to be any type of way, but I'd like a boyfriend. I'd like it to be you, you know? Because I have a co-parent. You're great. But, but I want to date you, right? Like, I'll miss being your girlfriend. And then, you know, we go on dates and we do the thing. But, but we are careful because we know that relationships can kind of slide apart. And that's how it feels with God, right? You know, we're, you're good at you know, going to church and doing the things. And you're in community. And you're doing small groups. And you're serving and things. And then, you know, life happens. A little bit falls off. That's okay. A little bit more falls off. And before you know it, you're like, man, when's the last time I've just sat with God? And we feel like we're so far from him then. Don't you feel like that? I do sometimes. I'm like, man, I've been working for you, God, but I haven't sat with you. But the reality is that God comes near always. We think we've slid, but he's just been following us. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. So even when we're trying to slide, God's like, all right, I'll go with you. Just kind of waiting, right? He follows us. But as we are close to God, we can partner with him. Be ready. This is First uh, Peter 1, 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, doesn't this sound like weird church talk? Gird up the loins of your mind, church. <laughs> that's, that's a quote. That's a tweet. No, but actually, what was happening here, what they're talking about is, back in the day, Old Testament times, right, like, they, the guys especially, but they would wear these long flowing robes. And when they, like, meant business, when they were going to uh, do some physical exertion, or were they going to work, or they were going to build something, or whatever they are going to do, they would take the edge of the robe, and they would tie it up, so that they'd be ready. So for us, it would be like, um, let's see. Kenzie, you're an athlete, but I see you today are wearing some beautiful shoes, and you're, you're wearing a dress. Now, if I were to say, Kenzie, I need you to run a race, you would, like, you would kick off your shoes, right? And if it's going to be something really physical, you might take out your hoops, right? And if it was me, I'd, like, tie up my hair. Now, for some of you gentlemen, you might take off your jackets. You might unbutton the top button. You might tie your laces a lot tighter, right? There, it, it's a posture of preparation. It's essentially saying, roll up the sleeves of your mind and be ready, right? It's not just, yeah, I'm ready. It's, okay, hold on. I'm ready, right? And it's having that as a mentality, we don't do that, right? We tend to live passively, and then something will happen, and we're like, uh-oh, I wasn't ready for that. But what Peter's saying is, have a mental posture of preparedness to do the work of God. Be ready in your mind. I was getting ice cream with a friend talking youth ministry a couple weeks ago at Dairy King, which should open right after church. It's right here. 
I don't know who needs to be appealed to, but they open at 1.30, and me and my kids want a cone at 11.30, so whatever, we're praying about that. But, um, so, so here I am, I'm sitting there, having a cone, minding my business, and a man who I had not seen in 20 years walks down the street, he comes up to me, and he says, Rebecca Kearney, and I was like, yes. And he was like, you posted a quote on your Facebook two months ago, and I want to know what it means, because I've been thinking about it for two months. And it was a quote about, obviously, Jesus-y stuff and whatever, and ministry. And I was like, oh, with my cone. I'm like, well, let me tell you. And so I had this, like, you know that inner, like, I'm not ready for this question. And I was like, no, no, be ready. Be prepared. Okay, so I'm going to go there. So I started explaining what it meant, and whatever, and he's like, and how does that work in the context of ministry? And I was like, <coughs> uh, and so like, I had this 20-minute conversation with a man I hadn't seen in 20 years, who has experienced a lot of church hurt, who lives about six hours from here, in the middle of the Dairy King parking lot, because the Holy Spirit was already doing something in him, and I had to be ready to partner at a moment's notice. That for two months, this guy has chewed on this quote, thinking back on his own church experiences, thinking back on his own hurt as it relates to God. And he found me in the parking lot of a Dairy King. He was like, I was going to go to the church, but here you are. Okay, yeah, no, it's fine. Definitely do that. But how good... How good that God gives us the opportunity to partner with him in what he's already doing. If we're ready, if our minds have their sleeves rolled up and their hair tied back and their shoes tightened, prepared to partner at a moment's notice. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So our minds need to be set on the things of the Spirit. We need to be thinking about what God's doing. We need to be thinking about where's the Holy Spirit meeting people? Where are people needing to meet with the Holy Spirit? There's a mindset. And that doesn't mean that we become like so obnoxiously holy that we like can't live life down here, right? That's terrible. Right? We're, we're living embodied lives. We are here on earth. We are having a fully human experience. But God is having a fully holy experience all around us. My, uh, my neighbor lost their cat last year. And we are really close in the neighborhood. And we all watch out for each other. And this family lost their cat. And they were so upset. And so everybody in the neighborhood, you know, got the pictures of the cat. And for the, like, two weeks... We all had the cat on our mind. So everywhere we went, we're walking the dog, we're talking to the neighbors, whatever, we're thinking cats. But because we're thinking cats, I, like, noticed all kinds of things. I know all kinds of cats that walk by because every cat that walked by, I was like, is it stripy and brown? No, okay. But I know that there's a black cat and a this cat because for that period of time, I was looking for cats. And I found possums, and I found raccoons. But I was looking, every rustle in the bushes, is that a cat? Is that a cat? And that was the whole neighborhood. Is that, 
Is that a cat? Is that the cat? I awkwardly stalked this stripy brown cat who was not theirs through three yards. Kitty, kitty, kitty. kitty. And he's like, I am not lost, woman. <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty. Right? But, but our hearts were so moved by the needs of this family that everywhere we looked, we were seeing cats. And it's a crazy parallel, but when we're talking about having our minds set on the things of the Spirit, when we're looking for the Spirit moving, we see the Spirit. When we're looking for the nudgings of God, we see God. We see what we're looking for. You know, you know how you get a new car and then you see the same model of car just happens to be on the road? Those cars were there before, right? But we have our car on our mind, and so we just happen to see everybody all of a sudden has got an F-150. Because we see what we're looking for. And church, we are needing to set our minds on the Spirit so we are looking for opportunities to partner with what God is doing. If you are looking for opportunities to partner with what God is doing, you will notice your coworkers' downcast eyes when you refill your coffee cup. And you will realize that as an ambassador of the God whose name is love, you have a responsibility to do something. You will notice that when your neighbor or the person who sits next to you at church is notably absent, and you find out that they've had a surgery, and you are an ambassador of the God whose name is love, bringing them a meal is partnering with the, what the Spirit's doing to comfort them. When we are looking for the workings of God, we will notice lonely people that we can invite into our spaces. When we are looking for the works of the Spirit, we will notice hurting people in places that we thought we would only see angry people. Have you ever gone into a meeting where you think someone's going to chew you out, and all of a sudden you become really attuned to their pain? That's happened to me. Like, I'm like, all right, we're going to go at it. And all of a sudden I'm like, no, they're hurting. They're not mad. They're just acting mad. And you're able to partner with what God's doing to bring healing and restoration. But whatever we're looking for, we're going to see. And if we're looking for the Spirit to be working so that we can partner, we're going to find it. We want to be empowered. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't send us out there to partner with him by himself. He doesn't say, all right, go for it. Good luck. See on the other side. Right? When the disciples were going out, he gave them his very essence, his very breath. He said, here is something of mine. Take it with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And he's not saying receive the Holy Spirit so you get goosebumps and feel all like Jesus jivey, right? He's not saying receive the Holy Spirit so you can be very impressive and pray exciting prayers. He's saying receive the Holy Spirit so that you can take it into the world. Receive the Holy Spirit so that you can heal the broken. Receive the Holy Spirit so that you can bind up broken-hearted people. 
receive the Holy Spirit so you can draw people unto myself because that is the work I am already doing in the world. And you have the privilege to partner with the God of all creation to bring that hope, to bring that healing, to bring those things into places that maybe only you can reach or touch. Receive the Holy Spirit. You know, I think when we think about our closeness with God, we think about our ability to be connected to the vine. We think about this, but there's a world around us who's dysregulated, who's cold, who all they're hearing is negativity, and all they're hearing is anger and hatred and division and sorrow and depression. And all they're feeling is alone. But church, when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we can bring people to the chest of God so that the sound that they could hear is the same sound that we hear, which is the heart of God beating out love for us. And the feeling they can feel is the feeling we feel in community, which is cared about, which is seen, which is important. And so we're not reaching out and we're not taking care of people so we can, you know, check that off our list when we go to heaven. We're reaching in because we know that God, our God, our love, is already drawing these people to himself and we're privileged to receive the Holy Spirit and to do what he's doing in the world. So we're going to take a little time this morning. We actually allowed a little extra time to spend doing some ministry. And I think there's a couple reasons for this. One is because we want to spend time in the presence of God. We want to repair any feelings of far away in our hearts. But also, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, we believe you receive the Holy Spirit when you, when you come to Jesus, when you're saved, but there's a special anointing that God wants to give us to receive the Holy Spirit, not so that we can, you know, again, check it off a list, but so that we can be empowered to take his love to a hurting world. And so we're going to invite the prayer team to come up team. That's you. Um, and we're going to all sing and we're going to uh, worship together. But as the prayer team comes, I want to invite you to come and receive ministry. Let them pray for you. Let them ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fill you. But I specifically want to invite you if you feel like you have gone far from God. If you feel like you might have just kind of slid I feel like this time is for you. And if you feel like you just haven't been living on a watchful mode, you've been living passively, kind of life is just happening to you, but you're like, I, I want to be called into an active role into reconciling this world to the heart of God. I want to invite you to receive ministry. And if you want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, I think it's especially for you. So will you stand with me? We're going to join the worship team in ministry. We're sorry, in, in worship. And then um, you can come and receive prayer. Joey.